Greetings, my friends, and welcome to the first episode of We Don't Know What This Is Going to Be Yet. <laughs> this is actually the very first podcast that Alex and I are recording. Uh, I'm going to introduce Alex in just a moment and let him tell you a little bit about himself. But he and I are basically founders and running the Goodfellas NFT project. And we wanted to get a podcast into the world that not only explained what we do in our project, but other ways that we can leverage crypto and help other people create you know, uh, long-term value or wealth or whatever it is that they're looking to create in the space over a period of time without feeling like they have to get, you know, screwed or rugged like so many people have been in this industry. So we're going to do a lot of talking about our project, but a lot about, you know, what the possibilities are and what things you can look for uh, in the crypto world to kind of help you make sure that you have a secure future there. And with that said, I'm just going to go ahead and open up the floor to my partner, Alex, and uh, let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit about himself. So Alex, welcome on, man. Thank you, man, Jason. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy we are finally starting this. I mean, we have had plans for this and um, here we are, first episode. Um, Jason said it like, my name is Alex. Most people know me as Cost from from the Discord, maybe, or from from Twitter. And um, yeah, Jason and I, we had that great idea to, to form that NFT project called the Goodfellas NFT. Um, I would like to start telling people how we actually had that idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. Have you ever had the idea of, of, of having an NFT project before, like the Goodfellas, like before all that art of mob rock happened and um, that we're going to talk about later? Um, because for my talking for myself, I actually never wanted to be like, like I always like monitored the nft space but never thought about like having an nft project and i feel like once you realize that there is actually so much stuff that you can do better in the space that was like my point when i thought about entering the space and and getting into it um we've never talked about it so what was your like coming in like how did you come in have you ever had a plan to to uh, to uh, found or uh, get some like get involved into into a project I don't. I think I'm coming at it from the same angle you are. Ma- mainly, uh, you know, I was curious about the space, and I saw a lot of things happening in the space. And I came into the NFT world, you know, a bit after that first run up. You know, that big, you know, sort of pile in that people did, and um, you, you know, you saw a bunch of NFTs trading for crazy amounts of money. So I came in just after that, and then went into the bear market. <clears throat> and one of the things I noticed was just. There was a tremendous amount of money being spent on projects that really had no no real value. And then on top of that, the explanations of the projects when you would look at them were almost nonsensical. I mean, you could tell that they were written by people who didn't speak the language that they were writing in. And there was very little information. And I saw people just throwing money at these things. <laughs> and it just it it brought back basically everything that I've learned about money. Um, since I started studying it in the you know early 2000s. And part of me wanted to help people understand how that works and you know what and why and where you should put money and how you should allocate it and how you should think about it. But then another problem, another part of me was just like you, saw a problem in the space and being an entrepreneur, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I can do this better. I can solve this problem. And I feel like if you know we provide value and really take a long-term approach that we can draw in some good people and you know really be in the infancy of the space and and sort of you know um 
walk into what's going to come into the future by getting in front of it. So when, you know, and like you said, we'll talk a little bit about the art of mob thing. So when the, the whole art of mob, you know, rug pull happened, I saw that as a classic opportunity because the artwork was so strong and I held so many pieces. I was just like, you know what? I don't want this artwork to be worthless. And, you know, here we are. Here we are, you say it. Um, it's, it's actually pretty funny because today when I checked our inbox on, on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen it or on X, um, I don't know if you have seen it, but there was like one guy saying that he burnt his Art of Mob NFT and like having like a crying emoji. Um, and the only thing we can tell these guys, like it's the, the only right thing to do as Art of Mob never licensed their art and um, was actually, it was like stolen art that they sold. So... Um, yeah, in the end, it was quite difficult because when I joined Art of Mob back then, it was like my third or fourth project I joined. And I think you remember the promises they made, like they talked about like um, creating a platform to, to mint video NFTs, um, like from famous movies, mm -hmm. which is like, I think you mentioned it already, like it's it's like so unbelievable actually it was like so clear that this is not possible that these big hollywood companies would never agree on selling their ip rights to some like art of mob project um but yeah these guys were actually pretty good in talking and selling stuff so um in the end i i, I bought many many pieces um you lost hope of course in the end because you felt like hey this is not going to work out but, you know, once you're heavily invested, you, you try to keep that hope and faith. Um, but at some point, you, you notice, like, this, this is going to, to... Like, I think the founder um, of Art of Mob said, like, I'm going to be back in, in 60 days because he was, like, so stressed because of the community, um, like, was starting to notice that something is wrong in, in that project. And um, yeah, he, he just disappeared, said he would be back in 60 days, didn't come back. And that was like our moment when we stood up and when we had the idea of, hey, the art is so good, the community is so good. Why don't we start our own thing here and try to make make the space better? And um, yeah, you can you can if you want, you can like go ahead and, and tell tell people about the beginnings of, of what we thought and the ideas we had in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we should just back up and talk a little bit about that whole process. I know that uh, we mentioned Art of Mob a few times, and if you're you know new to the space, you may not be familiar with what that was. But basically, it was a, a, a ten thousand piece NFT collection tied to this idea that, like Alex said, that at some point in the near future, you know, we we're somehow going to license you know um, video clips or sports clips or whatever from these big name studios and then tie these to an NFT that you could somehow own, which, you know, on, on the surface, it sounds like a good idea, but when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, a studio has enough money to do that themselves. Why, why would they, you know, use some rando, some random person on the internet to do that for them. Right. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things like, you know, you get, uh, you see people get wrapped up in the emotion and then the next thing, you know, um, all logic goes out the window and so basically, when, the, when it became obvious that the project was going to be an, an abject failure, the, the original founder basically just disappeared. And he said, I'll be back in two months, of course. And then <laughs> everyone, you know, kind of knew at that point it was, you know, it was over. 
So Alex and I were two of the probably 10 or 15 people who stood up and said, hey, we, you know, we, we want to take on this project and we want to make sure that it survives. Um, this artwork is too strong and blah, 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 blah. So in the process of doing that and talking to a lot of the other people who wanted, who said they wanted to do the same thing, we came to the realization pretty quick that very few people are willing to invest um, money and very few people are willing to invest time and very few people are willing to make commitments around either of those things. So what we were left with was three of us that then turned into the two of us. And so Alex and I have been, you know, going hard on this thing for the last year or so. And, you know, when we're looking at the original project and the original holders, one of the big holes in the process was the artists who created the artwork were not being compensated. People who were who had roles in and around the project had never been compensated, and so the artwork was unlicensed. Um, it had been resold without license. It had been um, basically stolen, like Alex had said, from you know these this the original creators. So we spent months and months and months going back and forth trying to get these guys to talk to us who had been burned. <laughs> and create licensing agreements so that we could actually own the rights to to the pieces. And so now that we've done that and started reissuing the art, the old artwork is basically worthless. It needs to be burned just as a matter of ethics because there's no royalties attached to that. Everything new, of course, has royalties attached to it that pays the artists on every single transaction, and that's one of the things that we really want to honor. So Alex and I have been basically starting from ground zero, building a foundation around you know quality holders, doing quality work, uh, making sure that we can... Uh, capitalize on the legality and make sure that everything is in fact ours. We've basically just been dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's to make sure that in the future, our holders and ourselves can never be screwed again. And above and beyond that, we want to make sure that all artwork uh, and artists tied to the project make sure that their futures are secure as well. So, I mean, ultimately our plan with this is fairly large and everyone who supports us along the way, we, we certainly want to make sure that we're taken care of. So am I leaving anything out or is that pretty much sum it up? Uh, this is pretty much it. You, you, you actually summarized it pretty good. Only thing I want to add is, which is maybe quite interesting. Um, you do remember that we were like a group of how many people were we in that group that wanted to, that wanted to revive the project? I think five or six people. At least. And yeah. that was, yeah, and that was quite interesting because when it came to like commitment and like like putting time and putting work and maybe even put money in, you 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 saw people running away, and that's <laughs> actually um, that's actually explaining how the market works and how how people work in the space because most people expected us to just airdrop every single piece to to their former holders. And try to, I don't know, get some royalties and then get some money, grab the money and run again, you know, and that's mm -hmm. not sustainable. And that's what people like, obviously don't get in, in that space. And we have to preach it over and over again. But yeah, we won't stop until everyone gets it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing I think that people miss with the whole airdrop situation is that when you're airdropping an NFT, um, you know, if it's a PNFT or a regular NFT, it costs you money to recreate that that piece of artwork on chain. I guess it's not really on chain, but a pointer to a file somewhere on chain. And 
you know, for example, we've done, I think, four batch drops of complete families at this point. And every single one of those drops costs a minimum of two and a half percent of the total. So, I mean, you're looking at at least two and a half sold per 100 NFTs. Now, if you multiply that out times 100, you know, which would be the, the number of times you'd have to do that if you drop 100 at a time to get to 10,000. I mean, you're looking at obviously quite a bit of money. And I think people forget that when you, and this is one of the huge things in this market, is when you take from someone without fair exchange, when you take something from someone and you give them nothing in return, the only possible outcome over time is resentment. And this is why I think a lot of these young founders, and I use that term loosely in air quotes, these quote-unquote young founders leave is because A, they don't understand how money works. B, they spend a lot of time, energy, and effort giving to people who really don't give a shit. Like You could just give and give and give and give, and these people are going to complain and whine and moan and tell you didn't give them enough and all this kind of stuff. It just draws in the worst of the worst because it, you know the freebie seekers are the most selfish people on the planet. So at the end of the day, if you don't have a situation where you have fair exchange, in other words, I'm giving you something and you're giving me something, then that resentment basically kills everything down the line. Totally, man. And um, I feel like we both were convinced that there are people out there also in the Solana space who are like collectors who are actually willing to pay for quality stuff. And that's how we actually developed the Goodfellas NFT because I think you pitched the idea of of the main utility. I remember remember that when you said like, "Hey, let's try to give people IP rights. Why do it, do they have these NFTs? These are just like pointers to the JPEG. You just mentioned it." And then we said like, "Why don't we give them usage rights? Why don't we try to to um, to uh, to license the art and and try to get projects that are like maybe abandoned or rugged and get the art because because the art is out there there's so much good art there's so many good artists and like it's kind of dying on the chain and we try to to get in touch with artists and with with um like former um founders and stuff and um started of course with the art of mob project you you said it like we licensed the art and trying to form form that project now and um the good thing is that we decided to have an ordinal mint to try to pick the people who are actually willing to collect and to actually enjoy art and that's how we how we came to the idea of minting 100 ordinals um We haven't minted all of them yet, so there's still a, still a possibility for people who want to join. Um, due to very, very high um, fees right now, uh, we, we can like work around it and, and try to still get them to people. Um, but yeah, that's how we proceeded. So we, we um, try to, to get a group of people who's actually, who's actually like, like loving the art that we provide and um, like, How, how can you actually say that? We actually got like the elite of, of the Solana people right now in our community. And that's something I'm very proud of. Yeah, me too. I, I, I remember this day specifically. We had this conversation. It was, man, it was back in the early summer of 
23. I mean, we're in January of 24. We're recording this right now. And I remember I had gone to the comic shop that day. Comics, new comics are always released on a Wednesday. So it was probably a Wednesday. And I was sitting outside a little, uh, a little cafe and we were having this conversation. And it just basically came to me. It's like, okay, well, if we have all this artwork that's sort of dying on the vine, if you will, why can't we, you know, come back and rescue it and keep it alive? Because the truth is, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, people who are collecting this stuff today, when they come back to the market in the future and as the market matures, they're really going to want the early stuff the most. It'll be like everything else that's collectible, like baseball cards or comic books or cars or motorcycles. Like the early stuff is the stuff that people seek. And so why don't we go through the world and pick up all of this unlicensed art that's just sitting out there doing nothing? Of course, you know, we want to pick the best of it. And of course, we want to make sure that it's licensed properly. But then basically reward our holders with it over time, you know, through our token and that sort of thing. And so, you know, that opens the door for licensing in Web2 or in the real world, you know, whether it's T-shirts, merchandise, what have you. It opens the door for websites where we can sell graphics. It opens the door for a lot of different things that I think most people in Web3 aren't thinking about because right now we're so early in the process. Most of the people in Web3 are either tech people or people who are just really interested in the cutting edge stuff. It's not like the average Joe is like, oh man, look at my NFT collection. No, that guy's been in the space or that girl's been in the space for a while. And they're really curious. They're early adopters. And these are the people, you know, who take all the arrows in the back, right? Like they, they get screwed so many times so that when the average person comes in, everything's kind of settled down. So, you know, I think um, we just had the Bitcoin ETF approvals in the U.S. And the first um, application for a Bitcoin ETF was in 2013. So it literally took 10 years to get a ETF approval in the U.S., and that was only because there was so much pressure from outside forces. Uh, NFTs got really big in like 18, 19, 20, started around 2017. I mean, so we're super early in this space as well. I mean, who knows what's, what it's going to look like in the future, but I can promise you that one of the best uses of this technology is licensing and tracking royalties, which is how every creative market works, whether it's music or film or TV. The licensing portion, the royalties portion is the reason that people in that industry make so much money because they can create a product once and then they can leverage it many, many, many times over in the future. Yeah, you, you actually spoke about so many things now that I want to comment on. Um, first of all, um, I think what people need to know is that all of this, all of, of what we do is actually like leading to our own marketplace. So, so that's like the, the final goal, the ultimate goal to have that marketplace and have only licensed art being traded. Um, you just mentioned the spot ETF Bitcoin. I don't know about you, but it's pretty interesting to see in, in my case, like I told, talked to someone yesterday and he's like absolutely not familiar with crypto, but he said like, um, his, I, I think his son invested and he was like against it. And then he was saying something like, um, yeah, I heard that the American, um, like the SEC was like, um, approving the, the, um, the Bitcoin ETF. But I, I don't know if I mentioned that I'm from Germany yet, but I'm from Germany. So he said, um, like 
but the German like banks are not doing it. They don't trust that. And it's actually quite funny to see that there are still people out there who believe that Bitcoin is not destined to go to 1 million sometime later in the future, you know, yeah. um, because it's like so obvious. And I feel like I need to like people just need to open their eyes because it's like so, so difficult to explain, because if you have to start from zero and tell people like, what is a blockchain? What does it do? Like, hey, Bitcoin is, is like unlimited, is, is limited. It's like a limited resource, unlike most of what we have here. Um, but people still don't believe it because it's like still that, that, um, internet um, money fun thing that was created. And people think like, Hey, maybe the founder like Satoshi is going to come and create more bitcoins in the future because they have no idea of the technology. And, and you know, when you are in the bubble, like in the Twitter bubble and, and you'd always talk about crypto, you, you read about crypto, you get that wrong idea of, of like having only people who know about crypto but the majority is still not aware of, of what's going on and how important it is going to be in the future and i mean like after crypto we will have nfts and um it's going to be so big and it's so hard to to explain to people i don't know if it's like different in the united states maybe maybe you can tell me yeah no i think it's probably worse here to be honest with you i think fewer fewer people here have probably taken notice of what's happening in the crypto world um just because you know so many americans think that we're the center of the universe right like we the us dollar is never you know, it's never going to go away there's never going to be any problems but i think more and more people are waking up to the fact that the us dollar is in serious trouble and they're looking for alternatives so when you see something like the ETFs launch, which was it last, they were approved last Wednesday, uh, it's exactly a week ago, and then the following day they were allowed to trade, they did something like $7 billion worth of trading volume in two days, and that represents like 2 to 3% of the total market, right? So the total addressable market hasn't even been tapped into yet. I listened to a podcast with uh, the CIO from Bitwise yesterday. I can't remember his name, but he was saying that the the way that the funds work, the way that the ETFs work is they are basically a holding utility for the underlying asset. So in this case, the underlying asset would be Bitcoin. But, you know, with ETFs, it could be oil, it could be copper, gold, silver, whatever. It doesn't really matter what the thing is. But the way their structure works is they can buy on a, T plus two time frame, meaning whatever time the funds come in, you have to add two days to that before the funds settle because they're using traditional financial rails and then they're buying on the third day. So the first day that they were able to buy after the um, ETFs opened, his fund alone bought $262 million worth of Bitcoin in one day. That's crazy actually and then you see like that guy from jp morgan i think the, the ceo who's like fudding it and people are just getting it like hey you try to fud to to get a better price you know <laughs> and um yeah i mean l let's see it's this and next year are going to be so interesting and i, f I feel like I'm, I'm i'm curious to find out if you know we always have these cycles these crypto cycles with crypto losing 80% of their value if that's actually going to happen again yeah i i think the farther down the timeline we go the more smooth it's going to get 
the the Bitcoin cycle is pretty well established, at least up until now. You know, the, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it's predictable and it's it's intentionally designed to do one thing, which is to secure transactions. And it's never failed in its entire lifetime to do that. So when you look at the way that it's structured, uh, 21 million, a maximum of 21 million Bitcoin will ever exist. Every 210,000 blocks, we have a halving cycle, meaning the Bitcoin reward per block gets cut in half. We've got the fourth halving cycle basically happening in April, and that's block 840,000. And when that happens, the, the block reward drops from six and, I think it's, what is it, six and a half to 3.25, or was it 6.25 to 3.125? I forget what it is exactly, but it basically it's going to go to from six to three. And the, at that point, the supply gets cut uh, even further, meaning that the supply that exists, the inflation rate on that is going to drop by 50% immediately. So if you look at the flow models, in other words, the amount of Bitcoin that can be created in the same time frame going forward will be cut in half. So Bitcoin has a, a basically a declining inflation, whereas every currency on the planet has an increasing inflation meaning it's going to take more dollars to buy the same amount of the underlying asset, in this case, Bitcoin. So projections I've seen anywhere from 80000 per coin this year all the way up to 500000 I've seen 500 to a million by 2030. I've seen all kinds of crazy numbers. But if anywhere from 2 to 5% of institutional investors start putting their money in, which again, we haven't even scratched the surface on, that will minimally float it using some sort of flow model to about half a million dollars per coin in the next two years, three years, perhaps. I mean, obviously, this is all speculative, and I'm not, I don't suggest anyone take my word for this. Do your own research, of course. But I don't think um, now that the ETF is approval that Bitcoin is in any, any regulatory danger, and I think that's going to force other countries like Germany, like, you know, like the big banks around the world um, to actually start putting it on its balance sheet which will then, of course, make companies start to put it on their balance sheet. You've already got El Salvador, who's made Bitcoin legal tender, and that opens the door for everything else. So soon we'll have an ETF for Ethereum, and they'll probably, I know there's one in the works for Solana. So, you know, the big three there, you know, they're going to be part of everyday life at some point. And so I feel like we're lucky to be in this space this early. And, you know, obviously it's not easy, and it takes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of strength and commitment to stay in it when things are crazy like they are right now. But I feel like if if we're if if Alex and I do our jobs well, if you and I do our jobs well, and we educate people and we get people in good at NFT projects, and we get people to make good decisions, then we can help them elevate themselves from a financial position, but also from a, a personal development uh, place. Because obviously, a lot of this has to do with your you know, the way that you see yourself in the world and your time horizons. Like if your time horizon is five minutes from now, generally you make bad decisions. But if your time horizon is five years from now, it's pretty easy to project out and see, for example, like what you were talking about, it was obvious to you that Bitcoin is going to go up. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that Bitcoin is going to go up. And yeah, it's going to come down too. But if I'm holding long term, what do I really care? Yeah, that's true. Totally. Um, I mean, you mentioned the the halving that is going to come. That's why the, this year is going to be so freaking interesting. And 
I think when do we have the last Bitcoin mined in, in 130 years or so? Yeah, it's a while, it's a while off. Yeah, it's, it's still a while. Um, so to, to draw the line from, from Bitcoin to our NFT project, I think we've mentioned that we um, minted 100 Bitcoin ordinals. And recently we, we, we got news that our loved chain Solana is actually providing ordinals now as well. So Metaplex actually. Um, have you, you have tried it already, right? I think, I think I saw a tweet from you that you, that you already <laughs> inscribed some stuff. On yeah. Chain? yeah, man, of course, you, you know me, I've got a, you know, I saw an opportunity to get early, right? And uh, who knows, I mean, they could, they could go to zero tomorrow, but um, it's really expensive to inscribe. Uh, so what Solana did was, or actually Metaplex, it, actually, I don't remember the guy's name, but there's one developer <laughs> who basically sparked Metaplex to help him develop a, uh, an inscription process. And so let me just back up and explain the difference. So in the NFT world, you know, if you're new to this and you're listening to this, in the NFT world, normally if you're on a, a like a cheapo chain, I call the, the less expensive chains like Solana, the cheapo chain. Like if you're on a cheapo chain like Solana or Polygon or whatever, basically you're buying, when you buy an NFT, you're buying a piece of code that points to an image that is locked to a server somewhere. The image itself is not actually inscribed in the database or in the blockchain, right? What the inscription does is it actually writes the image data into the chain. So Bitcoin um, introduced this functionality last February, I think it was. And it was a huge, huge hit because now all of a sudden you could have NFTs on Bitcoin and these are called ordinals. They're inscribed to the Bitcoin blockchain pretty pricey to do but when fees are low it's not too bad now solana has figured out a way to do the same thing with the metaplex code uh in this one coder i wish i could remember his name i have to put it in the show notes but um basically it works the exact same way so last night i inscribed i don't know 15 or 16 um solana nfts basically i inscribed our brand and then i inscribed the uh the crowned pieces and I shrunk them down to like 512 by 512. And um, even with that, uh, it was still like $30, $40 a piece to inscribe. And if I had left them at normal size, it would have been like three or four Solana. It was like three or $400 to inscribe a full-size piece. So, I mean, it's not cheap. Um, and so I think now people who play with Solana will understand why the Bitcoin ordinals which are the Bitcoin version of inscriptions, would be considered a pricier option. But of course, you know, Bitcoin has first mover advantage, again, being the granddaddy of all blockchains and now the granddaddy of all inscriptions. So it gives it a little bit more prestige. And and that's one of the reasons that Alex and I chose to go with ordinals to sort of sift and sort who we brought into the project. Because at the end of the day, we wanted to make sure we kind of weeded out the people who wanted something for nothing because at the because you know when you think about long term growth, if you have a community of people who are sort of disjointed and not really like minded on what they want to create, it is going to create a lot of inertia, a lot of negative inertia for building something in the future. So we used the the hundred ordinal mint as a gateway, and basically we granted so many uh, privileges and and um, benefits to the holders that they're basically going to earn that money back over time through proper investment. 
So just like in the real world, if I'm buying a rental property and I'm paying, let's say I'm paying $100,000 for a rental property, well, over time, I want to get my money back, not only in rent, but in the valuation of the property. And so that's kind of how we set this up. We gave our ordinals holders um, you know, a free copy of their ordinal on the Solana chain. We gave them a modified version with a face. If you're familiar with our artwork, you know, our artwork doesn't have like traditional human faces. Um, we are granting them 10, 10 cent mints, which we've already fulfilled. And I think we're going to just continue to over deliver on that. We, we got to talk a little bit about that. And basically holding these pieces over time will allow them to earn our token, which they can then use to token mint future pieces. So basically investing by holding the pieces, earning the token, and then using the token to mint, they can basically mint their way back out of their initial investment for free, which is really kind of sick. But it's not free in the sense that we gave away everything up front, which is what most projects do and sets the stage for their ultimate demise. So I think at the highest level, that's kind of the easiest way to understand the difference between NFTs and inscriptions. And then also just sort of a brief overview of our project. I think we're, like I said, we're four batches in. So we're 400 pieces in with quite a few uh, batches to go. And we're going to start opening up and marketing more to the general public. But again, we want to keep that exclusivity because the community itself can only be protected if Alex, myself, and the other bosses, the people who hold ordinals inside our project, if, if we're diligent about you know, making sure that the Discord is free of the negative naysayers and the, the freebie seekers. Yeah, let, let me just uh, jump back to the Solana inscriptions real quick. Um, I haven't I haven't read much about it yet, but what I saw is, and maybe you can tell me if that's true, um, that prices go up to like seventy solanas. Is, is is that real? Like for ten megabytes? Yeah, it Does depends. Make sense or yeah, it depends on the size of the file, which is why when I was offering up that explanation, I I, I said I shrunk everything down to five twelve by five twelve, meaning you know um, length and width of pis- of pixels, because our artwork by default is 2048 by 2048. So I cut it down to 512 to 512 and it was still, you know, quite a, quite a chunk of change to get them inscribed. So if you have a big piece, yeah, it's going to cost a ton, a ton of money, but also a ton of Solana to get it done. Yeah. And that's interesting because in the, in the beginning of the episode, we actually mentioned the, the freebie mentality of Solana people and, it's it's going to be interesting to see if people actually make use of that because like people in the space are actually used to have everything for free. They want free shit. They are not willing to pay anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely curious to find out if, if we will see many uh, inscriptions in the future. But what I have seen is, I don't know if you monitor the, the marketplace, like Magic Eden, for example, Um uh, right now but what i've seen is that there are like many projects i think one is called soul maps and another one is like selling um spl tokens like there is a lot of like space on chain being sold mm-hmm. and um that's quite quite in- interesting to see because the the market seems to to like kind of go away from from art you know and what do you think about that development uh, it's interesting. I I think that it's 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 one of those things where people sort of in the space they jump on the next thing. You know, I mean, even when it's just about art or 
if it's just about utility or if it's just about space on chain, it's like whatever the newest thing is, is what's grabbing headlines. People jump on. And the funny thing is, like, by the time the news reaches the headlines, you're already too late. <laughs> you should have positioned yourself, like, months ago. So, you know, like, um, with, the, with the space on chain thing, the, the thing with Solana is there's no limit to the space. So, I mean, at, at some point, you have to realize why Bitcoin is special. And, I mean, I love Solana. I'm not downing Solana. I think Solana has its, his, is better for certain things, like NFT projects, than something like Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, you know, each chain has its pluses and minuses and its primary uses. And the thing for Solana is it sold itself on being, you know, inexpensive, fast, easy. And when you have inexpensive and fast, you can almost never have quality or never have exclusivity because you lower the barrier to entry. So what this update has done is it's increased the barrier to entry. So I think what it's going to do is it's going to create a camp of people on Solana who are truly invested in seeing um, you know, space on-chain or on-chain real estate, if you will, become something more than it has been. And I don't know what it's going to become or if it becomes a thing, but I know yesterday when the announcement was made, when I went to bed last night, there were something like 71 or 2,000 um, Solana inscriptions that had been created. And this morning when I woke up, there was only like 74. So it definitely slowed down at the 70,000 mark, whereas the Bitcoin stuff sped up. So I'm curious to see what happens. You know, I got some early inscriptions around the 50,000 mark. And, you know, basically I just did that so that I could have that that space on chain, early space on chain, because they are numbered. But the interesting thing about the Solana stuff is in order to create the Solana inscription, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to first mint the NFT normally. And then from, from there, the Solana inscript, inscription um, program takes that NFT and then adds a copy of it on chain. And the original NFT kind of serves as a pointer to the space on chain that the inscription is taking up. So you have two copies of it. And the original NFT, you can trade around, you can buy it, sell it. It acts kind of normal, but the inscription is just always attached to it. So it's not really like Bitcoin where you're looking at the actual inscription. On Solana, you're looking at the normal NFT um, just with the understanding that there's some sort of underlying inscription. Yeah, and I think what, what, what you can add is, and I'm not really sure because, like I said, I haven't read much on it, but um, I think there are like two options to inscribe. Like you have um, like Im immutable inscriptions that, you, that cannot be revoked. And then you have like the ones that you can actually burn and then you get like the Solana back. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, it's it's changeable if you allow that setting. So unlike, again, like Bitcoin where it's, there forever, no matter if you screwed up or not. <laughs> With the Solana inscriptions, oh. you can make them mutable and go back in and either close them out or, you know, reissue them or swap out different bits of data. So it's not quite the same. Yeah, I, I think my personal opinion, you pretty much nailed it when you said like, it's a lot about about hype on, on Solana. Like there are like so many, there have been so many hypes going on on Solana. I think back then we had that um 
casino meta at some point and then we had all these meme stuff and now we have like inscriptions let's we we never know what lasts in the end but um it's it's always like that that you see solana people jumping on on the hype and and buy everything and hope to make a quick buck i think these soul maps and nfts are crazy i think the the um supply is like think somewhere around 200,000 and they have a floor price of 0.4 Solana last time I checked so there's definitely a lot of volume but I but I heard that there are like many bots buying and stuff so um yeah it's, it's still something that I that I need to need to um, read about and then see see if it actually makes sense what people buy because that's actually um another point that is um, quite interesting because if you do your own research and we always preach it like everyone preaches preaches it in the space but no nobody does actually <laughs> if you do research you can actually see what's going to be successful and and what's not because you know most of the times it's it's just logic and um i don't know i i think that for example the the whole casino meta is going to die in the end was pretty predictable um but to try to 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 get back to to our nft project um maybe we can try to outline the stuff that is like coming in the near future i think we made some posts about it but um especially oh we haven't talked about the 21 collection that's that's uh, your baby you're our artist by the way so you're doing like a lot of um new stuff for for our collection for our main collection so we definitely have to mention that because you're doing a great job on that um but yeah why don't you tell people about the 21 collection sure so basically maybe we should just do like a pause here and just do like a whole project overview i know we sort of started that and just went a little bit disjo- disjointed there with it but basically what we're, yeah. what we're doing is we're reissuing the artwork from the art of mob project and doing it legally and granting our holders ip rights and the the only way in initially is to own a bitcoin ordinal from what we're calling one of the bosses and these are the the hundred most rare pieces in the collection and so they were minted as ordinals initially and then they're being transposed and copied over onto the solana chain with the same rarity so basically, we're building out a collection that's evolving over time, minting 100 pieces at a time with the bosses getting the greatest benefits. Okay, And as part of that, our project, and, and Alex and I have talked about this a lot, is you know not only do we want to make sure that we keep it exclusive, and, and I don't care if exclusive means five holders or 500 holders. like That doesn't matter to me because I know that that number will change, grow over time. But we want to just keep it exclusive to people who actually are collectors, you know, entrepreneurs, people who love the artwork, artists, and that they value it, right? Like they really see the long-term value and the energy and the work that went into creating stuff. And then, of course, enjoy the, the beauty of collecting, which is so much fun for everyone, right? So what we're trying to do is just honor that by giving them, you know, a batchment with new traits, a batchment with new modifications. And so the collection that we're, we're actually minting over time, 100 pieces at a time, actually evolves, which is kind of a new idea. And I don't know if we're the first to do it, but I think we might be on Solana, one of the first, if not the first to do that. So the Batchman idea, I'm just going to go ahead and claim that that's ours. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but someone can fact check me in the Twitter sphere. And then the evolution of the collection. So adding traits over time rather than being stuck in a fixed, you know, look from the beginning to the end. So by the time we get to the end of our mint, our collection might have quite a bit of a different look and feel than it did at the beginning, which I think is really cool. And then in addition to that, um, we're doing a collection called the 21s. And again, this is sort of a nod to Bitcoin, Bitcoin 21 million, you know, uh, having every 210,000 blocks, you know, this idea of 21. So limiting a, a piece a a one of one piece to 21 prints and then physically numbering those prints like this is one of the things that drives me crazy in the space is a lot of times when people are doing prints they just repeat mint the same thing over and over again because it's easy and requires no effort and the computer program will just spit out copy after copy without you having to do anything so you'll see artists do, well, I'm going to do, you know, 100 prints of this piece. And then you get the print and it's exactly like everybody else's print. Why? Because it's not numbered, it's not signed, it's not anything. So what we did was we're going to do, we created a collection of, of 21 copies, prints, if you will, numbered prints of an original piece that only exists on Bitcoin and then numbered them. One of twenty-one, two of twenty-one, seven of twenty-one, eighteen of twenty-one, whatever, the, whatever the number is. And no matter how much demand there is, there's only ever going to be twenty-one of those. And so, it creates this interesting thing where now every single piece minted inside a twenty-one's collection is actually a one of one, because even though it's a copy, it's got a stamp small in the upper right-hand corner wherever it happens to be, that identifies it as an individual print. So just like if I went to a like a gallery and I saw an artist who had a set number of prints and I purchased one, there would be a number on that. And that would be that would that would be how I know, you know, where I am in the process and how close I am to the original. So obviously the number one print is normally the most valuable, then two through whatever. And so we incorporated that and included that in the 21s to mimic what happens in the real world. And I feel like, you know, technology works best when we actually mirror what happens in the real world. And so that's created another element and another aspect of collectivity that wasn't there before that I feel like we've also innovated around. Because the truth is, to make that happen, you have to do a generative mint. You can't do a additions mint, and that requires a lot more work. Just like the 100 pieces at a time requires a lot more work. There's more data work, more shuffling stuff around. It's a, it's a shit ton more work, but at the end, the quality is higher. And I feel like when I spoke to Alex about what we wanted to create, that's where we both trended in terms of mindset. We want to make sure it's high quality. Yeah, I mean, I mean in the end, you know, it's, it's the small things that make the difference. And... Um, you you pretty much explained what what the original idea of uh, behind the the twenty one collection was. I think I, I want to add that um, when we create these pieces, I mean I can actually like suggest or recommend everyone listening to to check out the twenty one collection because we have like pieces that kind of um, uh, that kind of represent like. For example, when we had the Holly, uh, the the Halloween drop, we try to 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 bring pieces that show people to to give them um, 
See, Jason, help me now. I, I, I don't find the right words. <laughs> sure. What, what I want to say. Yes. Um, yeah. So their their pieces are created in honor of something. So for Halloween, we did. Yeah, that's we, what we I did, was looking for. Yeah, we did some pieces in honor of Halloween, um, and you know we've did some pieces in honor of the nine eleven firefighters or pieces in honor of comic book characters, and so they're in our style of art, but done uh, based on some sort of, to celebrate some sort of common idea that we across the world share, whether it's solidarity around uh, you know a positive or negative event or some part of pop culture that we all appreciate. Exactly, and that's that's what I actually love about the 21 collection. And then we have pieces who, who belong together, who can be collected and, and belong together. And, and um, like, you, you get a full-size image of, 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 um, of, a, of a picture when you have, like, the, these two drops. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like the, the 21s are very special, and, and I love the idea that you had, especially, like, numbering them. Um, and I, I feel like the community is appreciating this collection very much because I don't know if any other collection in the space does that. I mean, you have you've mentioned that um, we are the only ones on Solana, but um, have you seen any 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 collection doing a, a similar thing? I haven't as of yet. No, that's that's quite cool um, because I feel like there are like so many ideas that we can. Um, yeah, that we, that we that we can work on um, with the twenty one collection. And what we did is we actually reached out to artists to create unique pieces for us for the twenty one collection and to give people an, an idea of what's coming in the near future. That's basically a thing that we are working on. Try to 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 get in touch with artists who 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 love to create art, who love to who love the art itself, and create pieces for us. And in addition to that, of course, we are in touch with many, many um, people to to um, license their whole collections. And um, I don't know if we've given a hint of, of of what collection we are trying to license, but let, let's keep that a surprise better. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to do all that stuff. And I feel like we, we gave a good summary of of our whole purpose of the project. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, at the, at the highest level, basically what we want to do is acquire artwork, give it to our holders. Either they can, you know, um, mint it or mint it at a discount or mint it using a token so that they can improve and build on their collections and hold it for a long period of time and value it. Um, and then, of course, with that comes the IP rights and they can create their own stuff out of what they purchase. And if anything ever happened to the project, they still own it, which is the beautiful thing. So like, we can't rug you, like, there's no way we can steal from you in this. And, you know, in order for us to, you know, to really um, sort of explain that and put it forward, you know, we like to have conversations with people. So if you want to drop by Discord, you know, hit uh, goodfellasnft.com. There's a link to the Discord. Drop in there and send um, me a message or Alex a message. I'm at Archer just like it sounds, and he's at caused DX, you know, just like it sounds. And so, you know, just look for the founders and, you know, we're happy to have a conversation with you and explain exactly what we're doing. Unlike a lot of people, we're not hiding behind anonymity. You know, I want to get to know you and, you know, shit, if you want my, my home phone number, I'll give it to you. I just want to make sure that you're taken care of and that, you know, if you're with us, 
that you're actually having a good positive experience. And I know that this is, <laughs> this is, this is strange sounding in this space. Um, but we just really want to take care of people. And, um, you know, we want to build a community of people who are taking care of people. So that's kind of what we're about. So if the, any of this sounds interesting, definitely hit our website, um, you know, hit the Twitter, um, hit the, the discord and pop in and, and say hello. And, um, you know, if you're interested in getting a mint, the, the way that it works right now is we have referrals. If you know one of the bosses, I think there's 29 or 30 different bosses right now. If you know one of them, or if you just want to hit me up, I'll give you a referral code so that you can mint in our next mint until we go fully public. Um, we'll probably go fully public after the next three or four mints. But we want to get, you know, obviously if you're interested, we want to get you in uh, and you want to grab a couple pieces and start earning AU so that you can get those free mints in the future, you know, feel free to pop in. But um, I mean, above and beyond all that, I think one of the interesting things is I was asked on a on a spaces one time, you know, why someone should you know, consider joining Goodfellas? And I thought it was an interesting question because I listened to other people answer the question and they're like, oh, because we have this utility and we're doing that and I know so-and-so. It was, it was basically all this, you know, status-related stuff. And, you know, when I was asked the question, all I said was because we're genuinely good people. Like, we literally want to see you succeed and we want to succeed ourselves. And if that's you, that's who we want to be with because, you know, Alex and I, we have no intention of, of doing anything other than making this a lifelong project. So if any of that's interesting, hit us up and we'll be happy to, you know, fill you in on any details that we missed. I know we sort of jumped around a bit, but yeah, that's my two cents on that, brother. You? I actually couldn't have found like better words for, for the people now. So I, I think I just want to leave it like that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll leave it right that uh, like that. I think we this is a pretty good little first effort at a podcast. So we'll go ahead and end it up here, guys. We'll actually have to come up with a good name. <laughs> we still don't have a good name for this. On Twitter, we're probably going to call it This Thing of Ours in keeping with the whole mafia theme. But um, I think on the podcast, we might need a, a little bit more SEO-friendly title. So we'll come up with something. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to pull out this audio file and I'll drop it in Discord for anyone who wants to listen. And uh, until then, we will see you in the next episode. Take care, folks.